what did Christ's humiliation consist? The answer helps explain that question, I think. Answer, Christ's humiliation consisted in being born, and that in a poor circumstance, in being subject to God's law, in undergoing the miseries of this life, the wrath of God, and the curse of death on the cross, in being buried, and in continuing under the power of death for a time. He did all that so we wouldn't have to, right? I'll read that footnote there. Humiliation means being brought low down. As God's Son, Christ came to this earth from heaven, and by taking our nature, He made Himself nothing. He accepted a dramatic reduction in status, undergoing a demotion and degradation so complete that at, his last, that at last His identity was totally obscured, and all that could be seen was a man disgraced and damned. His death throes intensified by his terrible sense of alienation from God. Right? We looked at that passage last week. My God, my God, why have thee thou forsaken me? Right? Notice in the answer the past tense consisted. So that's what we're going to look at today. Question 28. In what does Christ's exaltation consist? present tense, right? In what does Christ's exaltation consist? Christ's answer, Christ's exaltation consists in His rising again from the dead on the third day, in ascending into heaven, in sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world at the last day. So we'll look at some scripture that uh, supports that. First, Christ's exaltation consists in his rising again from the dead on the third day. 1 Corinthians 15.4 And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Christ's exaltation consists in his ascending into heaven. Psalm 68.18 Thou hast ascended on high. Thou has led captivity captive. Thou has received gifts from men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And Acts 1.11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And Ephesians 4.8, Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Christ's exaltation also consists in his sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Psalm 110.1 The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And Acts chapter 2 verses 33 and 34 
Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not in ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. And Hebrews 1.3 Who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And Christ's exaltation consists in coming to judge the world at the last day. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And Acts 6, 17, verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day in which he, shall, in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Let's finish up with that footnote there. First I'll reread it. Question 28. In what does Christ's exaltation consist? Answer. Christ's exaltation consists in his rising again from the dead on the third day, in ascending into heaven, in sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world at the last day. The footnote there at the bottom. Exaltation means being raised up from a low position to a high one. And this Christ received as a reward for his obedience in our place. It is the state in which our Savior is now hence the present tense, consists. The ascension meant that the end of Christ's personal presence until he returns at the last day. The right hand of the Father means the position of authority. This has been given to Christ by the Father. Thank you so much, Lord, once again for your word. And... Uh, for the saints that have come before it and have compiled it into this um, concise teaching. Uh, the truth of your word, Lord, so that we can better understand you and know who you are. Lord, thank you so much for humbling yourself, the God of all creation, with all power and authority, humbling yourself to come and die on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Lord, help us to appreciate this, Lord, and understand the magnitude of this. And then, Lord, to realize your being raised from the dead, to have uh, the position at the right hand of God the Father, all power and authority is yours. Forgive us for trying to usurp that authority. Thank you, Lord, for your promise of coming again. 
to extinguish death forever. That we can live in all peace and contentment with you. May this be our desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's look further at the Word of God, our continuing going through the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15 we're at today. If you have a pew Bible, it's page 577. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't base our life on circumstances that we see, but we would base our life on the solid rock that is your word. The, the truth of God spoken to us. You came to earth, Lord, you walked with men, and you spoke to them, and they wrote down what you said. And we hold that in our hands. And your Holy Spirit in our heart guides us through it. So we thank you, Lord. You get all the praise, honor, and glory, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for taking it. What happened is, well, we can't take it from you, but we try. So forgive us for that, Lord. And um, we just pray for our time in your word, that you would be glorified, Lord. Um, once again, I ask for forgiveness, Lord, for um, not desiring to be in your word, for fighting against you, to bring forth your word, Lord. Thank you for doing it despite me, Lord. And so may we just be um, submitted to you and your word, Lord, this morning. And we just ask that you would be glorified. Lord, strengthen us, your church. Thank you for this solid foundation, your word spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die that death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So, I just wanted to start I, to help us understand this passage better. I really needed to do this. I want to read it from a different translation. So I'm just going to read the whole passage from the NLT translation. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? 
for they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother. Exodus 20.12 And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Exodus 21.17 But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments from God. Isaiah 29:13. And I really got hit with that verse today this week. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I just wanted to start with a quote to kind of explain to us what's going on here, the context of what's going on here, so I'll start with that. The devotion of washing one's hands ritually before a meal was developed by the Bible teachers in the great Pharisaic tradition, not in order to break Scripture, but in order to honor Scripture. If anyone touched an unclean person or thing, perhaps even unknowingly, the uncleanliness could be removed by the precaution of this washing. The washing was simply one of many ways by which serious believers could say by their actions, we love scripture, and we don't even want accidentally to break the holy commandments of God. Apparently, these serious believers, to be completely safe, even took full immersion baptismal baths every morning and on every return from public life. These people longed to be clean before God. Okay? This was real helpful for me because I think our, in our sinful nature, we just want to condemn these Pharisees, right? Um, point the finger, right? So, it seems they were doing what they thought was right. Okay? Until they encountered God, right, Jesus, and he told them differently. Verse 3 of our passage today. But he answered and said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? Right? You hand washers, Jesus says, are parent abusers. You who say grace at the table do not practice grace at home. You act like you are worshiping me when really you're worshiping yourselves. These what seemed to be earnest Bible teachers were trying to explain away the fifth commandment of God to honor our parents. 
by saying they were going to fully surrender themselves to God. All that they had to God. Okay? Now God does call us to fully surrender to Him, but this will never include any man-made traditions that break any of the other commandments of God. Just wanted to look back at Matthew chapter 8. Some commandments of God, Jesus, that he's given us earlier in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. Uh, you know, these are hard commandments. Matthew chapter 8. But until we understand them, until we interpret them as Jesus calls us, as he interprets them, okay? So Matthew chapter 8. This is, thank you God for, uh, thank you God for interpreting your word for us, Lord. We struggle, I confess, I struggle so hard in my own strength to interpret your word. Lord, let us, by faith, let you interpret your word for us. Thank you for coming and teaching us. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 34 through 39. Our Lord Jesus, the words of our Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Think not that I come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Thank you, Lord. Right? Okay? So Jesus' word reminds us that family is the fifth and not the first commandment. Right? But the same God who warns us to have no other gods before him, the first commandment, commands us that we must honor our parents next, after himself. So back to our passage for today, right? Matthew chapter 15, verse 4. The words of our Lord Jesus, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Okay, so here's what I think is most important in today's text. Okay, the sin in, in, in this passage, in the story here, is one of religious devotion. Okay, it's doing work for God in our own strength. 
instead of doing work for God that is a result of our faith in God. This is the sin of self-worship, and it leads to all other sorts of sin, right? Not honoring our father and our mother. It leads to exhaustion, to collapse, to cursing of God. We have to look in the mirror when we read these Bible texts. I'll share a short quote with you. If scripture texts are not aimed at ourselves here and now and are aimed at others there and then, we have abused, not used, holy scripture. If scripture texts are not aimed at ourselves here and now, and are aimed at others there and then, we have abused, not used, Holy Scripture. Okay? So, Matthew chapter 15, verses uh, 7 through 9. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. A, a hypocrite is simply a person who pretends to be someone else. A hypocrite is simply a person who pretends to be someone else. God's word is for us, right? It doesn't come from us. It's for us. It comes to us. It doesn't come from us. We humans don't know what is best for us. God does. God and his word are our higher authority over humans than our traditions and our devotions, right? Jesus is telling these people in this passage and he is teaching us our worship will be wrong if our teaching is wrong when we are teaching human strength instead right of faith in God we often think of worship as what we do towards God but our text for today teaches that the fundamental component of worship is teaching from God to us, right? The word of God is the core of worship, not human devotions or traditions. It's not me turning church into my job. Matthew chapter 15 verse 9, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. When we think worship, we often think in the wrong direction, from us to God. Jesus teaches us that worship is from God to us. This is why we stress at the beginning of our service that it is God himself, according to his spoken word, right, that he has called and commanded us to gather together to worship him, right? God word is what transforms us it's not our traditions it's not our devotions our worship of God comes from God not from us 
Our work for God has to be a result of faith. Otherwise, it is just self-worship. Works righteousness, right? If we are teaching and preaching and praying and singing the traditions and the devotions of men, our own hard work towards God, then we aren't worshiping God. But if we are teaching and preaching and praying and singing and being fed in the Lord's Supper by the Word of God, then we are worshiping God. Our worship of God comes from God, not from us. This is awesome, Lord. Thank you. Our confession of sin, it's not a human tradition. God himself has called us to do this. Our time of prayer, it isn't a devotion to ourselves. God has called us to speak our requests and our thanksgiving to him. The partaking of the Lord's Supper, it isn't a human tradition. It's a commandment from God, our Lord Jesus, to remember him. To commune with him. To come into his presence by his Holy Spirit around his table so we can receive his grace. We sing hymns that aren't devoted to ourselves, but that are based on the word of God. Right? Faith comes by hearing the words of Christ. Work will be a result of that faith. Our worship of God comes from God, not from us. We do not teach as truth the commandments of men, although sometimes we still do, right? Knowingly and unknowingly. Sometimes we still live it. I am so guilty, working in my own strength, living by the traditions of men. And so, as Jesus reminds us that today's Bible passage wasn't just for the Bible teachers of his day, it is also for us. So Lord, we pray, help us. Do not teach the commandments of men as though it were spoken from you. Help us, Lord, to live by faith in you. Our lives based on your spoken word to us. The word of God interpreted to us by our Lord Jesus. Our worship guided by those words. Worship comes from you, Lord not from us. Help us, Lord, to make sense uh, of your calling and leading on our lives, Lord. We don't want to be confused. We don't want to be uh, trying to work our way to heaven. We want to rest in you. And, and out of that, do good and glorious works for you and for other people, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching here today. Your commandments show us that you're not only concerned with yourself, but you're concerned with other people. You call us to honor our parents. Help us to honor other people in our lives, Lord, by your strength, not doing it out of our stubborn will, but being led by you and your spirit, a life based on faith in you and your work. Thank you so much for this time and your word, Lord Jesus. Blessed to our hearts, blessed to our minds. Lord, help us to realize all the meat 
that's in here. Lord, last week we looked at that passage in John that said, you are the meat, Lord Jesus. John chapter 6, I think, verses 51 through 59, you are the meat. This is more than enough for us. Help us not to just pass by this and move on to something else. Help us to feast on this word all throughout this week, Lord. Help us to be transformed by it. Help us to be people of confessing, Lord, that we worship you in our own strength, Lord. May we receive you in your word, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. And we thank you now for this time of the Lord's Supper. 